Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I want you to consider not everybody that's around you or who you hope hears this message, who you hope will hear a message somewhere at some point, the person that you're praying for or whatever. I, that's all great. And, and we certainly promote and believe that you should pray for other people. But today I want you to think about one person and that person is you. And I want you to think about the things in your life that you try to do to fill voids, to fill emptiness, to fill empty places in your life. Because I want to show you some things of what empty means. First of all, this is one thing that empty means to me. This is a picture that we took of the empty tomb in Israel. There's two places where people argue may have been the empty tomb, and I want y'all to know I've been in both of them, and I want y'all to know the good news. Both of them are empty today. Come on, somebody. I'm excited. I don't know if y'all are. Y'all are allowed to be upset on Easter, but I'm excited that this thing is empty and I walked in and it fits the description, but it's just a rock with a hole. That's all it is. And the fact that this is empty means that I don't have to be. So let me show you what empty actually means. This is the literal definition. It, empty means that something that contains nothing, not holding or having anything within, void of contents, or appropriate contents not filled. Now listen, here's the important one, y'all listen. I want y'all to take notes today with your worship guides, and I want you to highlight and underline this word, appropriate contents. I want y'all to write down appropriate contents because here's the deal, listen. Every person that came in here today came in filled with something. I don't know what you're filled with. I don't know what you're trying to be filled with, but you're filled with something. Most people walked in not filled with the appropriate contents. The appropriate contents are called the Holy Spirit, are called the Lord Jesus, are called His way. And, and so most people are partly filled with Him. Or, or some people are, are filled with all kinds of religiousness and all kinds of other things. And then there's a few people that are absolutely filled with Him. And if you're the person that thought to yourself, thank God I'm filled with Him, you're probably the person that needs to hear this more than anybody. Come on, somebody. But we're talking about filling ourselves with inappropriate contents, and I'm telling you, it's going to get heavy, and then it's going to get good, so y'all stay with me. This is emotionally what it's like to be empty. To feel this emotional emptiness means that you feel a lack of meaning or purpose, means that I feel a lack of meaning or purpose. Now, I'm asking on this Easter Sunday that we're excited to celebrate and wear our nice clothes and do all this nice stuff. I'm asking y'all to be real for a second. Can y'all do that with me? Let's try it again because that was a third of you. Can y'all do that with me? Yeah. All right, here we go. Can we all admit and agree that at times we feel empty and that there's no point? Yeah. Let's try that again. <laughs> Can we all admit that? Sometimes it feels like my job has no point. Sometimes it feels like my home has no point. Sometimes it feels like certain things have no point and I just got to do it and it's boring and it's miserable. Does it feel that way to y'all or is it just me? Yeah. Yes. Because things just don't feel good sometimes. Sometimes we have to put our big boy pants on and our big girl pants on and do stuff that we don't like to do. And, and, and life a lot of times feels meaningless. It feels meaningless. It feels hopeless. It feels frustrating. 
This is what emptiness actually means. It's a feeling of emotional numbness or despair. And the result of those things are rejection, abandonment. The reason we get to those points, rejection, abandonment, loneliness, envy, or bereavement, most of the time from a loss of a loved one. Now, all of us respond. Everyone responds. It doesn't matter if you're like, I'm the one that doesn't. You're not telling yourself the truth. You're lying to yourself. Everyone responds. And most of the time, our response includes one of these things. We fill the void that's in our lives of that emptiness with addictive behaviors, including religious activities. <laughs> including religious activities. I added that because I'm telling you this is my testimony. This is my life. This is what I used to be. Up until I was 17 years old when I actually got saved, I could have quoted as many Bible verses probably as anybody in the room. And I filled my life with religiousness, but I was very far from God. But all of us, all of us fill our lives with these things, and here's why. See, some of you in here came in, and you're really kind of embarrassed to be in the room because you know that if anybody knew all that you had done, that they would kick you out because your joke is, if the church ever finds out that I'm in here, lightning will strike, like that's what people say, right? And it's not true because here's why. The difference between you and I is maybe you got caught and I haven't. It's quiet in here. But all of us fill our emptiness with something, and, and nine times out of ten, it's addictive behaviors. Because this is what we do, y'all. We say, well, that person just has an addictive personality. Can I tell you the personality that's addictive? The personality that's not filled with the right things. That means everybody. That means the quiet little church mouse and the buck wild crazy dude on the street all have addictive personalities because... It is put in you to be filled with the right stuff. And when you're not filled with the right stuff, when you, when you don't do it with the desire that you have to worship God, you will fill it with something else, including, including religious activities, including feeling good about yourself because look what I did for the Lord. Look what I've done. Look how cool I am. That's why I think in the southeastern United States, this is one of the hardest places in the world to see a true move of God because everybody thinks they're all right because their mama took them to church one time and because they checked the box when they were a little kid and they went through the motions and they, dunked, they got dunked in the pool when they were five. And they never talked to Jesus one time their entire life. We go to funerals all the time, y'all, and it breaks my heart because we see people and they're like, Johnny, we think one time Johnny got saved. He was down there at the, at the church and he went to the BBS and maybe he got saved. And the reality is he doesn't know Jesus anymore from the man on the moon. And he filled his life, and, and I filled my life with addictive things. So what are these things? Sex. Now, I'm just going to tell you all something. If you all like to be offended, this is a good opportunity for you. I like sex. I'm going to let it just sit there. I like it with my wife. It's good. Praise Jesus for it. The Bible doesn't say that it should be just for procreation and then you got to be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not ashamed. But watch this. Now listen. I'm not going to make light of it because here's the deal. That's one of the fastest places we go for addiction. Because when you feel rejected by the opposite sex, you want to feel that appreciation. So ladies, when you feel that ejection and abandonment from a daddy figure, you go find a man. 
And we fill a void that is devastating to our lives with all the wrong things because we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Men, it's just as much us because we wanted the, we wanted the nurturing of a woman and so we act the, the, the player part and we put off this cool cat and the reality is we're desperate and lonely and we're wanting to feel the right stuff. Drugs and alcohol are very much chemical things. People say, I do it to, to take the edge off. The edge is that Jesus isn't enough. I believe some people should be on chemical medicines. If you have a chemical imbalance, I believe you should take them. But hear, hear this, and I mean this. There's no better person to take the edge off than the Holy Spirit. And any time that I try to fill my void with things other than that, including, listen to me, including preaching, this does not fill me. If it does, I will do this and then be an absolute hellion to my family because this is what I try to find my pleasure in and I try to find my filling in. This is what I do. He is who I am. He has filled me and changed my life. This does not fulfill me. This is my calling. Each of you have that in your lives, but most people never find that because they don't find relationship with Christ and they try to fill it with all these other things and it's miserable. And all of us, listen, I don't care who you are or where you come from. I am no respecter of person anymore than the man on the moon. I, it doesn't matter to me, but it doesn't matter even more to God because he loves each one of you and he doesn't look at you and say, oh, you came from that family. That matters to me. He loves you each the same, every color, male and female. He loves you the same. And the result of that is when I try to come to the party believing that I'm all right because I have, look, my family had, we all have, and we believe that we're okay when we're actually in a mess. And we can't see the forest from the trees in our lives that were filled with all the wrong stuff. It reminds me of this, y'all. When I was working construction, God help me. When I was working construction, we would do these big, massive jobs. And when we did the underground part, I can't tell you how many times we would get to the place that we were about to pour to start the erection of the building. And we would find something in the place that we were about to put the building, and it was not good. One time, we found an old landfill, watch, underneath where the building was going. I don't know if y'all know this or not. That ain't good. They don't like that. As a matter of fact, here's how much they, meaning the engineers that say you're allowed to start pouring now, don't like that. They made us dig and dig and dig. And we didn't just have to dig to it. We had to dig around it, get all the dirt around it, down below it. Way deep, crazy. I, I don't remember how deep it was, but I just remember I'm not going down in that. That's crazy, right? It's unbelievable how deep we had to make this thing. This was my thought. Maybe none of y'all think this way, but this was my thought. It's concrete, and we put the rebars in it, and it should be all right. It don't matter what's under it. We should just build, a, you know, the concrete's hard. <laughs> should be all right. And what I failed to realize is if we had poured that hard concrete, and if we had tried to make it all right, the whole building would have collapsed, and it would have been devastating. So we had to get it all the way down and then, listen, fill it with the good stuff, then compact it, and then we could begin the process. That happened to us multiple times. We hit graves. That is not good. When a dude's hand comes up when you're driving by, that is not good. This is awkward. I don't know if I appreciate that. 
But you got to do the same process. There's a moving that has to take place. There's a complete cleaning. Listen to me. As soon as my mess, my garbage in my life that I'm filling myself with that we all do, not loving solitude because I hate to be alone because I, I hate what I do, but not loving to be in a crowd because I hate, I just want to mingle. I don't want to get real in depth. I, I don't want you to really know about me. So we just try to mix in. We just try to be a part and we feel this emptiness in our lives. And whenever we try to fill that or cover it up, I need you to know that you're the house of God. This is a warehouse building that we decided to meet in, but you are the house of God. And when you try to fill that with mess, Eventually, the building will collapse. That building is you. It's your life. You're the, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of if you follow Jesus or not, that's who you are. And as soon as I decide that I can change it, I can be it, I can change me. Nope. Only he can. And so today, we're going to watch Jesus end a lot of empties. And we're going to watch him change a lot of stuff. I, wanted, I want you to know how he did it. Jesus did it by Philippians chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, don't turn here. Turn to John chapter 8 because that's where we're heading. But look at this. It says Jesus emptied himself by taking the form. Emptied himself. Everybody say that. Say emptied himself. That's craziness. The God of the universe sent his own son to empty, pour out himself by taking the form of a servant, meaning slave in the Bible. A bond servant means slave. And being born in the likeness of men like us. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross that we just sang about. He humbled himself even after he had emptied himself. Think about how crazy this is, y'all. He's God. He never has to leave the right hand of God the Father. He can sit on his throne. And if I was going to come, I would come like in a high horse, important, look at me, I'm the man, playing that music. And Jesus came humble and lowly. Like a servant. Here's what I need y'all to know as we read this story. If you saw Jesus before he was starting his earthly ministry, so before he was healing people, if we had seen Jesus, we would not have seen the Jesus that we watch on the Jesus channels when we see the place where he comes in and he's all handsome and suave and he's got the flowing hair and he's some white dude because he was not white and he was all this stuff and everybody thinks, look at how cool he is. And for some reason, the dude from Israel, this Jewish, has a British accent. Look at me, come forth before, it's time, peace be still. I don't know why, but that's what we portray him as. He was not that. He was very, 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 very ordinary. He would not have stuck out in the crowd. Because man looks on the outward appearance. We want the glit and glamour. We want something that shines. We want the shiny new thing. Jesus had the stuff, but it was in here. And everybody in his hometown missed him. But when they got him, it changed their life because their empty was ended. I need y'all to know that he emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself to end your empty. And I want to show you this in a story in John chapter 8. And I need all of y'all to lock in with me right now. I want y'all to picture this. I love the size of this crowd because I believe that it was probably something like this that was taking place in John 8. And this is what the Bible says, that Jesus went up or went to the Mount of Olives and early the, in the morning from the Mount of Olives, he came into the old city and went into the temple and all the people came to him. So imagine that you're one of all the people and you're in the place that you're in and you're looking up at the mountain, or excuse me, you're looking up at the temple where Jesus is teaching and watch this, it says, all the people came to him and he sat down. So Jesus would have been sitting and Jesus would have been teaching in this setting and all of us would have watched him. 
when he was teaching. And it says that the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. Now listen, this is important. The scribes and Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the people that everybody looked to. They were the puffed up ones. That The Pharisees were the highest religious leaders in the place. And the scribes were extremely important as well. And these people hated Jesus. And when Jesus came doing miracles, the religious people wanted to rid the world of him. Listen, anytime religion becomes more important to me than Jesus, anytime religion, I need y'all to hear this, becomes more important to me than Jesus, I start taking ownership of things that I shouldn't take ownership in. I start, I start becoming hyper-competitive and I start killing people that I should be loving on so that I can catch them and tell them how bad they are. That has been all of us that are religious types. All of us have been there before. I know it's quiet in here, but that's good preaching. Come on, somebody. And it says that they had brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and they placed her in the midst. Now listen, you wouldn't have been in the midst. You would have been in the crowd. The midst was right there in the presence of Jesus, right here. It would have been at his feet. Or right behind him. He would have been seated. Now listen, you got to picture this. you got to picture this because it's important. They said to Jesus, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery. Now watch. And has been caught in the act. She wasn't just caught like she had done it. She was caught, caught. She was, I'm not trying to be funny right here. She was naked. No doubt. This woman was naked. And this is how I picture it, and I want y'all to picture it with me. I'm not being crude, and I don't, want, I don't want you to take it to a crude place. I want you to picture the shame. I want you to picture the guilt. I want you to picture being that woman and being pulled by your hair by 10 or so men that were, that were religious types. I want you to picture your heart and how you would have felt when you had been caught because that's some of you in this room that you've been caught doing stuff that you're embarrassed about. I want you to picture what it would have been like to be so disgusted with yourself as you get pulled in and thrown. No doubt she knew that the crowd was there. No doubt that, that she could place all of this, but she, she laid before religious types that so often condemn us and tell us how awful we are. This is what I believe she did in that moment, is she would have covered her nakedness and covered her face. I don't, I picture it that she never even looked up. This whole this whole ordeal, she never even looked up. Never even looked up. Can you imagine the hurt and the shame? Some of you can imagine it because that's how you feel. You feel this grotesqueness. You think to yourself, God could never love me because of what I did. Pastor, if you knew what I did, God could never love me. Can I tell you some good news? This story says the opposite of that. This story says Jesus is crazy about you and he loves you right where you are. Watch this. They threw her down. She's disgusted. She's embarrassed. She's so ashamed. And it says that the religious leaders looked and said, now the law says, it says it commanded us to stone this person. In other words, we have no choice but to kill her right now. Look what we did. They don't even consider this woman. They just want to catch people. They want to be the man. They want to do what's right. And so many of us are like that. Now, what do you say we should do? Are you going to go against the law? Here's why they said it. They said this to test him that they might catch him and charge him and bring charges against him. This is where I need all of y'all to lean in and listen to me. I need you to picture that there's this woman that's covering her shame and nakedness, but she's laying here in front of us and that Jesus is seated 
And he's got these men that are standing around and they're saying these things to him. Jesus' response, let me say it this way. My response would have been to bow my chest up and do what we do. We get defensive when someone comes against us, right? Are y'all with me? We, we say, who do you think you are? I'm Jesus. <laughs> Hello. You see my jersey that says Christ. Jesus Christ, I'm the man. Like, Why are you coming in here? That's what I would have done. Here's what Jesus did. What's it say? Jesus, say it. Bent down. That's the thing that you don't do right here. Can I just tell you that? Like of all the choices, if you got 20 choices, bend down to be right beside this naked woman. To identify with her shame? (laughs) Nah, man. You can even say, it's all right. I don't think she's that bad. We, We shouldn't stone her today. You can even go that far, but you can't get down with her. You can't get in the dirt with her. You can't lower yourself to her. You can't identify with her shame, can you? Except that the Bible says that surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows and we esteemed him smitten of God and afflicted in Isaiah. That, that not only did he free me from my shame, but he named himself my shame so that I wouldn't have to be named that. I'm preaching. Now listen to me. This is a good part. I think there's two things that I want you to know here about bending down in the dirt. The first one is that no matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are, we're all human beings made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. But God chose to make us in his image, in his likeness, and put his stuff on us in a very odd and peculiar way. The first Adam, this is the second Adam talking, and he's the one that sets us free. But the first Adam was made in a really weird way. God bent down. Y'all know what he did? He took some dirt and he and breathed in the dirt. And this dude happened. Adam, meaning dirt man, was made. All of us are like the first Adam in, in that we have chosen to sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But the second Adam came and was sinless so that we could have life in his name. Jesus is not afraid of your dirt. Listen, the word became flesh and lived among us. And he created everything that's ever been. I'm pretty sure that whatever you've done is not dirtier than what I've done because it's all dirt and we all like sheep have gone astray and we've all sinned. And God said, I'm not afraid of your dirt. I made you from dirt. Why would you think that I'm afraid of your dirt? What God can't come toward is the pride of someone that puffs up and says, I don't need you. That's the one sin that separates me from God. Unbelief. Not being caught in adultery. And so the first thing I need you to know is that Jesus got down with her and said, I'm with you. But this is the better part, in my opinion. And this is where I get a little preach in me right now. The second that he got down, I need you to know that they were right. That in the law, they should have stoned her. And they didn't come without stones, y'all. They didn't come in there and think, we're going to tell Jesus and then he can go find the stones. They had these rocks that were about this big as how the stonings took place in that day. The goal was not to hurt you. The goal was, this is a lot of information, the goal was to crush your head. They would tie you up and crush your head. They would hold you still if you were on the ground, and they would try to crush your head with these boulders, these bigger rocks. Every one of them would have been carrying them in, even while carrying her by the the hair and by the nap of her neck. I need y'all to know that when Jesus bent down, He stood in the gap, in the place, in the way, and said, you may throw rocks at her, 
but it'll be over my dead body. You may throw something at her, but it'll be my, over my dead body. If you're going to get to her, you got to get through me. That's the way that it is. I need y'all to listen to this today. Jesus says the same thing about you today, but he didn't, he didn't kneel down when you were caught in the act. He got up. He got up on the cross and he said, he said, you may get them devil, but it's over my dead body. But I'm not staying dead because I'm going to go down and die. But then on the third day, I'm going to raise up and I'm going to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You no longer have a hold on death. You no longer have a hold on sin because they're going to be alive in my name. And all of us that choose to fill our lives with shame choose to say, I'm stepping over Jesus because he stood in the gap for me. I heard it like this, y'all. For all of us that identify ourselves with this lady, I heard it like this. Having a relationship with God is like having a power line that connects me to him. And what sin does is it clips that power line. Some of us have never been caught in something like this where we were so embarrassed that we were overwhelmed with that. And so we think to ourselves, thank God I'm not that. But I need you to know that this woman on this day would have had would have had some C4 strapped to her power line and it would have blown up and everybody would have known that she was far from God because that's what we do. Well, God bless them. We need to pray for them. But if all I had was just a little clip, the power's gone just as much as the C4 made the power gone. That one clip or a thousand cuts are equally severed from the presence of God in my life. And so while I stand in judgment of people like this, I'm equally in need of a holy God that loves me and a Jesus that would stand in the gap for me and say over my dead body. All of us are equally far from God regardless of what you think about yourself and about other people. All of us have an equal need for Jesus to pay the price and take on my sin. All of us had the need for him to become sin so that we could become his righteousness. And, and that's regardless of how we think about him. And Jesus said, so in this moment, let, let anyone who's not sinned cast the first stone. Watch this. And then he bent down again. And one by one, when they had heard this, a lot of people say, what did Jesus write in the, in the sand? And I've heard all these great messages about what he wrote. It doesn't say what he wrote. He could have been playing tic-tac-toe, y'all. I don't know what he said. All I know is what he did. And that's got down with her. And that's identify with her dirt. And that's not be embarrassed of her and say, I'm with you. I love you. And all of them left. And this is the most powerful thing. Because, listen, I believe the crowd was still there. In that moment, I believe the crowd was still there. Just like y'all are sitting here, I believe they were still here. But the people that were accusing her had all gone. And, but she was still covering herself. I think she would have heard all this, but she was covering herself. And, and in this moment, Jesus said in verse 10, he stood up. The only time Jesus stands up when he's around you is when you're ready to follow him. He'll kneel down with you and he'll offer you his hand. And as soon as you say, I'm coming, he'll stand up and offer you that and say, let's go. And he stood up and said, hey, where's everybody who, who was ready to throw the rocks at you? Where'd they go? Do you see them? And she said, I see no one, Lord. And Jesus said, listen, I don't condemn you either. Then now go and, and sin no more. And this is the plan that Jesus has for you. He doesn't condemn you and say shame on you. He says, get up and, and do it this way. I'm, I don't want to talk about this junk anymore. It, I'm, I'm not looking at your past. I'm not looking at your gross. I'm not looking at the thing that you thought you couldn't have a relationship with God about. I'm the gap. I'm bridging it. Now come. Come with me. 
I've got you, but let's go this way. Follow me. Have a relationship with me. Let's do this thing. And this is how he accomplished it. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, y'all. Romans 5, 8 says God shows his love. He demonstrates it, shows off his great love for us. How? By, by doing all these magic tricks? By making all these cool things happen? No. That while I was a sinner, that, that on my worst day while I was a sinner, Christ died for Mark and for each one of you. That he calls you by name. That he loves you. That he loves you. That he loves you. That's how he shows off his love for us. That we come to a realization that that's what it's all about. That Jesus didn't die to fix me. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He, he died because he loves me and he made a dead man come alive. I love the message version of the Bible. And I want y'all to see what 1 Peter chapter 1 says in the message Two verses, 18 and 19, said it costs God plenty. And I want you to identify yourself right here and think about this. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life that some of you feel like you're in right now, that you grew up in and that you've been in. He paid with Christ's blood. Do you know that? He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. But this was no afterthought. God knew what he was doing. It's because of this sacrifice, Jesus, whom then God raised from the dead and he glorified that, listen, this is big, that if you trust God, you know that you have that future with him. That it's all about a relationship with him, that it's all about a love relationship with him, that this is what gives me hope. Not that I can stand up and exercise a gift, but that I have a love relationship with a loving God who looks down on my worst day and says, I'm crazy about you, Mark Pangle. I'm crazy about you. You think I love you sometimes because of what you do. I don't love you because of what you do. I love you because of what I did. I love you because of who I am and what I put in you. I love you because you don't have to end your empty. I'll end it for you. And, and this is what I need for everybody to know, that Jesus is crazy about you. He's absolutely crazy about you. He doesn't, he doesn't, he chooses not to hold your past against you. He loves you just the way you are. But he doesn't want to keep you there. He wants a love relationship with you. Listen, every man, woman, and child, listen to me. He loves you. 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 He remembers your past no more. And he chooses to call you son, son, daughter. Come home. Follow me. Follow me. But everybody's got to make a decision in their life. Am I going to choose to remain empty? Or am I going to choose to be whole in Jesus' name? Am I going to choose to start a love relationship? So if you have your worship guides, this is the other side. And this is what I want you to get out of. Everybody, I'm asking everybody to be honest with yourself. Honest evaluation. I'm not asking, have you been through the motions one time? Listen to me. This is the time that I'm hoping everybody will be still. And everybody will listen to me. So please, no moving around. Everybody look this way. I want you to be honest with you. This is between you and God. This is not for me. If you lied to your family so that you got them off your back, that's not doing you any good and you still feel the emptiness and the weight of your sin. The only thing that will separate you from God is the pride to say, I don't need him. He wants a love relationship with you. So be honest with yourself. If you have a relationship with God and you talk to him and he knows you and you know him, then check A. I'm a follower of Jesus. I celebrate that with you. I don't want anybody to check B that's not, that's not, 
in need of Jesus. But listen, there's a lot of people listening to me right now that you're not an A. That you are in desperate need of hope. And the only hope that we have is in a loving father who sent his son to die for us to end our empty. I don't care if you serve at this church, if you've come here every week or if today's your first time. Don't let today leave without your end of empty happening by a relationship with Jesus starting. This is what we want you to do. This isn't even difficult, but we don't want to make it difficult or complicated because I don't think it is. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, the Bible says you're saved. I don't think it takes a prayer. I don't think it takes magic. I think it takes your heart saying, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. If that's you in this room, I want you to acknowledge it by checking B right now. I want you to take your card and I want you to check B. If you're the person in the room that you say, I don't know, I'm not sure. That Jesus thing sounds all right, but I'm not sure. Then check C and be honest. Listen to me. And if you're the person in the room that checks, that, that knows that they never want to be saved, then be honest and check D. Be honest and check D. And I got mad respect if you'll tell the truth. But I need you to know that I'm going to pray for you by name and so is our, worship, or so is our prayer team and our, worship, our whole team's going to start praying for you because we're going to see some D's become B's over the next few months. Hey, I need y'all to be honest right now. And this is what I need y'all to do. Everybody's done it. Everybody's checked the box. And then I need y'all to break it like this. Everybody at the same time. I hope everybody followed directions because some of y'all are too good for for school and y'all didn't do it. I know who's in here and I know who didn't do it. So I'm going to come to your house, Jesus' name. Hey, we're we're not peeking on the way by. Pass it to someone on the inside if you're on these rows and on either side on these and we have... We have our teams that are coming to pick these cards up right now. So please, everybody pass them. Everybody pass them. Everybody fill them out. Everybody pass them. Everybody pass them. While I'm talking, I need y'all to listen. All the bees, listen to me. All the bees, listen to me. There's a lot of bees in this room. There's a lot of people that just started a love relationship with Jesus. I want y'all right now, as this song is playing, I want y'all right now to go to the back. And to talk to our awesome volunteers, they have a gift for you and they will help you. We don't want to embarrass you. We want to help you begin to take your first steps. We want to help you sign up for baptism that's next week that's going to be awesome. We want to help you because we're not alone feeling the empty. And we're not alone feeling the end of empty. And we're ready to do this thing with y'all and change the world. So we all do that? God, we love you and we worship you. We thank you for all you're doing. And now we lift up your name and we sing praises to your name because we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. And now we celebrate the fullness that we are in you. We're no longer empty, but we're full because of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us and for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Will y'all stand and sing?